You're listening to The Cutting Edge, presented by Hilleberg the Tentmaker. Hi, I'm Petra Hilleberg, President and CEO of Hilleberg the Tentmaker. My dad, Bo Hilleberg, a lifelong outdoorsman, founded Hilleberg 50 years ago, and we've been family-owned, family-operated, and European-made ever since. We proudly specialize in building strong, lightweight tents and in never compromising on quality of materials or construction. Our tents have been specifically chosen by polar expeditions, mountaineers, backpackers, and avid outdoor adventurers just like you all over the world. We build tents for everyone's adventure. Can we can we pause for a moment? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really gotta go pee. <laughs> <laughs> That was Jacob Cook, along with Bronwyn Hodgins, our guests for this episode of the Cutting Edge Podcast. This is Dougal McDonald, editor of the American Alpine Journal. Our show this time is about a trip that these two took, along with two other Canadians, to the Weasel River Valley in Baffin Island last summer. It was uh, an incredibly successful trip by almost any measure. They did a whole bunch of routes, including quite a few new routes. And they more or less pioneered the idea of combining pack rafting and climbing in this super remote Arctic area. One of the things that really interests me about the interview you're about to hear is that Jacob, who seems to be a super happy-go-lucky guy, and, and I'm sure is in real life, nonetheless expresses some, uh, some profound fear and, and anxiety both during and after this trip. Uh, and I think it's something that many of us who are involved with long climbing expeditions uh, may feel at one time or another. And it's really interesting for me to hear it from a high-level climber uh, reflecting on, you know, what was uh, on almost every level a, a very successful trip. I think you'll find it interesting. This interview was recorded with AAJ assistant editor Chris Kalman, who worked on the AAJ story about this expedition with both, both of these climbers. It was a very complex expedition, and I recommend you check out Bronwyn Hodgins' story about it in the 2020 AHA. It's online, and you can find the link at the Cutting Edge website. Well, awesome. So, Bronwyn Hodgins and Jacob Cook, uh, thanks for being here to talk with me. I guess I shouldn't say being here since you guys are coming to me live from your closet um, in Squamish, right? That's yep. right. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having us. We're uh, yeah, currently in our closet in Squamish, uh, <laughs> which is the best place for sound recording in our house. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you guys are super professional, so we really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I had the good fortune to work with both of you on your... AAJ story, American Alpine Journal story for your incredible sounding climbing and pack rafting trip to Baffin Island to the Weasel Valley in Ayutuk National Park. How do you say that? That sounds like I think you did a good job. I got it. All right. So Ayutuk National Park and you guys put up a bunch of new routes. You climbed some um, established routes that have some history um sounded like you had an amazing trip and you went with your friends zach goldberg potch and Hush. thor stewart is yes. that right yeah mm -hmm. yeah one of the trip goals was actually to climb mount thor with thor which is <laughs> an obvious goal you, you succeeded right we did yeah. succeed yes <laughs> yeah so so i i mean with with a big trip like this you always kind of go in with a bunch of ideas for things you could climb but then you know, like the, there's weather and then like new routes don't work out and all this stuff. And, and, and this time around, for whatever reason, we were just like wildly successful. We had like just perfect weather and, and so much luck in terms of choosing our new routes. We, we, we just like pick a line and then it, it would just like work out. So, so for the most part, we bailed off one route, but, but yeah, so, so it was, a, it was a very good trip. That sounds spectacular. Is there any part of you that like came out of that regretting it slightly that there wasn't any epic involved or, you know, like there wasn't like if nothing goes wrong, is it really an adventure? 
<laughs> oh, things went wrong. Oh, things went wrong as well, but things nothing too wrong. nothing too serious. Yeah, I, I mean, we we had our fair share of epics. I mean, I mean, just just the landscape there is huge, and the the mountains are complicated, and and it just takes a long time to to do anything. And so we had our fair share of uh, like hard work. Yeah, hard work and 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 various epics, and and especially the pack rafting portion of the trip. It, it it turned out to be much harder to stay in the boats than we'd anticipated. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, we're jumping around a little bit here. But, yeah. um, like, I grew up doing a lot of river paddling, and I, I was a river guide for seven years, so uh-huh. I like definitely have a, quite a bit of experience with the three other guys, not so much. <laughs> I was sort of choosing which sections of the river we could run and what we would cordage around, and, and like, <laughs> we'd just go for it. Uh, nice. If it wasn't, like you dangerous um and yeah we definitely like flipped and then the other boat the other guys and that's not like dumping like, in the uh you know like the south pacific it's kind of cold up there yeah yeah no it's like <laughs> the glacier melt is happening right in front of you, you and yeah you can you amazing. can see the glaciers that the river is running yeah. out of and so it's right, like right when someone fell in you'd be pretty quick to make sure they got out, got changed, got dry. Um, yeah, make sure that didn't get too serious. Well, let's back up a little. We'll get there yeah. uh, eventually. But I'm curious, how did you guys choose this particular valley? How did you choose your team? How did you make the trip happen? Like, what's the background for this expedition you went on? Well, I've been trying to go to Baffin Island for years. This is actually my third attempt to uh, organize a Baffin Island trip, and this was the first one that was successful. Because he really brought me along. Possibly, <laughs> possibly because Bronwyn was there to, to mastermind the organization. She's very good at that side of things. And just, um, but just, I, I tried to. Well, sorry, just want to interrupt so that our listeners know uh, you guys are married, right? That's right. Yeah. Bronwyn and I have been married for two years now, uh, and together for eight years. So we, we and we've been climbing all over the world together for for most of that time. Um, yeah, so th- so I've tried to go to Baffin Island uh, three times. This was my third attempt, and before I've actually tried to go to the to the uh, further north on Baffin Island to Samford Fjord and the in the east coast. But um, I guess the 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 idea for this trip came about because in 2016 we did as a team, which actually included all of the team members for this Baffin Island trip, we did a, a combined paddling climbing expedition to the Cirque of the Unclimbables in the Northwest Territories in Canada. Ah, um, okay. And so that was a 30-day trip, uh, which involved paddling the Little Nahani River. Uh, and then taking after six days, we took out of the river and, and hiked up into the Cirque of the Unclimbables and climbed the Lotus Flower Tower. Um, actually, Bronwyn's yeah. <laughs> dad was on that trip. So we, we climbed the Lotus Flower Tower with Bronwyn's dad. Whoa, cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as, his, as his second multi-pitch climb ever so that was that was quite exciting my dad's wow. like quite a good um like uh paddler and and river uh-huh. um, he was a river guide as well actually when he was in his 20s yeah. um but he's not really a rock climber but <laughs> so our, our goal is to get him to the top of this like yeah the lotus flower tower like 600 meter up on it. yeah um, um pretty good for a quote-unquote <laughs> not much of a climber yeah he did he did extremely well we taught him how to juma with a rope tied to the tree in his backyard in ontario and then the next time we got the Jumas out was like at the base of the Lotus Flower Tower. <laughs> um, and, and then after 10 days in the Cirque, we spent another two weeks uh, paddling down the Nahani River um, to a takeout. So we made the entire trip uh, from road to road. Um, and the the kind of combination of, of paddling and, and the kind of journey aspect of that trip um, and the, the going to a super remote climbing area and uh-huh. the team that cool. we had was just this kind of like perfect combination. Like we all just bounced off of each other so well. And I think for big mm-hmm. trips like this, like, you know, going with ex- with a, it, an experienced team is good, but uh-huh. much higher importance than that is going with a team that, that gels really well and can suffer together. Mm. And um, just like has a really fun time together. And it just has a good time together. And, and so Zach and Thor are Bronman's friends from preschool. Um, yeah, we and, grew up together, like the three of us in this tiny town in Ontario. Yeah, so um, they, they've been cool. friends for a long time. And, and 
we yeah we just knew that they were the perfect people to to do a, another big trip like this so so we kind of wanted to do another trip that incorporated uh paddling and climbing and this kind of like journey aspect um which which yeah. made it much more meaningful for us like rather than just flying in and flying out of a climbing area we we really enjoyed like moving through the landscape and so we wanted to do another trip like that with with a similar team but then i guess part of like the lotus flower tower trip was a little bit like we there wasn't very much rock climbing like we basically did the one climb and a few other uh, a few other things in the circuit of the unclimbables but we didn't have that long up in the climbing area so this time we mm-hmm. wanted to have a bit more focus on the climbing and like um do come some bigger stuff and and have more time uh, dedicated to the climbing aspect of the trip yeah so yeah um, and we researched this this seemed like a perfect option yeah. of Affin island uh, in this area uh, to kind of make that sort of trip happen yeah, and and over the past sort of like eight, ten years, well, I guess Brown has been climbing eight years, but uh-huh. I, over the past ten years, I, I got into trad climbing and adventure climbing, um, and we've been doing a lot of big wall climbing and adventure climbing together, and it just seemed like going to Mount Asgard would would be like the perfect place to as kind of like a to put all of those skills to use, and and especially because it's it's alpine, but it's rock climbing, you know, and we're we're really rock climbers, so it just seemed like a location where we'd we'd be able to like really use our mm. skills to the to the maximum uh that we could and 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 just like the idea of of like flowing efficiently over the granite uh above the glacier there was was kind of like a dream of, of mine and, and ours i guess so that so that was sort of like the motivation for the climbing part of the trip cool so why the weasel valley i mean in particular cuz baffin islands a, obviously a huge place with tons and tons of options for climbing um i know you guys were psyched on asgard itself but was part of it just that it was it really availed itself to that kind of pack rafting trip you wanted to do or yeah i would say that the mountains were were kind of like the primary uh motivation for going there I, I mean like since kind of like the beginning of big wall climbing um mount asgard uh and 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 i guess mount thor too have kind of been like center stage for for wilderness big wall climbing and the 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 idea to have some like an area like that uh which also combined well with the kind of paddling pack rafting uh side of the trip it it just it just seemed like the the kind of perfect um perfect location yeah and and was there much history of other people doing the sort of pack rafting style that you guys used or were you guys some of the first to do that? Yeah, I think we would be the first trip to do that in that particular area. Um, We found out a little bit. So I was doing more of the kind of research about the river leading up. um, And we Mm -hmm. did manage to get a hold of a few people who had run the river. I think it's only been run a handful of times as well. Um, Okay. And they weren't climbing combined with it. So, so yeah, no, definitely not. We were (laughs) the first to do the two combined. Obviously, you guys didn't run up the river in the boats, so <laughs> so I was kind of curious. Um, how like did you guys just haul incredibly gnarly loads all the way up to the back of the valley? How did you handle getting all your stuff in there? Well, um, so I mean, to begin the trip is is thirty kilometers of of sea fjord, which we did paddle, um, uh-huh. uh, and and we were able to kind of ride the tide for that part. And then the the next sort of forty kilometers to the Baker Mount Asgard, we did hike, um, uh-huh. but we got all of our stuff or, or a lot of our climbing gear and our food uh, shipped to Summit Lake in March, and then it sat under the snow there for for four months. Um, oh wow! For for us to to come pick up, and so so because the the thing is that in the winter time the sea is frozen. Mm-hmm. The sea is mm-hmm. the sea is ice, so so you can actually pay uh, someone with a snowmobile. We paid a local guy with a snowmobile to to just drive straight from Pangatung all the way up to to Summit Lake, which is obviously on a snowmobile, which is obviously not something you can do in the season when we were there. Um, he ferried uh, a bunch of plastic buckets full of our food and climbing gear up to Summit Lake, which was about ten kilometers from Mount Asgard, and then we. Four months later, we paddled from Pangatung and then hiked in to to meet our our food. But nice. even said, the, the bags, bags were really heavy. The bags <laughs> were really heavy hiking in because yeah. we yeah. we had all of our pack rafting gear, we had all of our 
like sleeping gear, a week, a week of food, a week, a week's worth of food, mm-hmm. um, and all of the things that we'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> right. we, by March we were like totally. We didn't have everything like organized. Yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> we still ended up having really heavy yeah. bags on the way in. But then obviously on the way out, we were able to run the river for the most part. So we were a lot, a lot lighter. And, and that actually, in that sense, the pack rafts are actually a really practical way to do an expedition like that. And also, right. also the other reason the pack rafts were super practical is because there's climbing objectives on both sides of the Weasel River. There's climbing objective, there's, there's Mount Thor on the, on the one side and then Mount Asgard on the other side. And uh-huh. so most climbing expeditions actually have to pick a side. Because it's not very right. easy to cross the weasel. It, there pe- used to be some sort of Tyrolean. Used, yeah, but the Tyrolean um, got washed out in like 2009. Yeah, I don't know the exact year for that. But um, basically recent, like the last decade of expeditions, like going in there, you have to choose a west or east um, side of the river. Yeah. And with the pack rafts, we were able wow. to go back and forth freely yeah. um, and had just like the full plethora of, of options for our... So that, that, that actually made them quite practical for, for climbing things on both yeah. sides of the river. Yeah. That gosh, yeah, that alone makes it seem like it's it would be worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you guys ended up climbing a bunch of routes, and I think maybe the most impressive one, if not the longest, was the Niv Mizzet line. <laughs> I want to get to that eventually, but that was like your was last, last or second yeah. to last climb. That that, yeah. that was the last the last route we did. Yeah, we was unbelievably lucky to find that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We like yeah. had to leave and like a couple what only I, had a few days left before we had to be back. What I kind of want to know is, you know, that's a, that was a 513 minus 400 meter route. Um, the hardest climbs don't always become the most meaningful or memorable ones to us in retrospect. And so I'm kind of curious for you guys looking back, was that the most meaningful line or were some of these other climbs more interesting wow that's that's a good question it's it's very hard to compare i mean on the one hand like when when you dream about about climbing in remote areas like this you you know you kind of imagine climbing that perfect splitter finger crack you know in the middle of nowhere up this wall um and like basically on the on the niv mizzet line on that last climb we we found it and it was it was really really cool to find some climbing that was like right at that line of difficulty where like I was just able to free the route. And so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was really, really cool. But then some of the other climbs on the trip, like we did a new route on the South face of the South tower of Mount Asgard um, called never laugh at live dragon. That's probably the one that I'm like most stoked about. Yeah. I think that one was the one that felt the most magical. I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess we, we, we made it to the summit of Mount Asgard at exactly midnight and it's 24 hour daylight mm. up there. And so we had, we had time to see the sun just dip below the horizon for like two minutes and then it started rising mm. again. And, and like being on the summit of the South tower of Mount Asgard and, and seeing the sun go down like that and then pop back up in, in like kind of like a sunset sunrise, having climbed a new, oh. having climbed a new route that, that we were really lucky to find was was kind of like the most magical moment of the trip. And it was also like, so cool. yeah, it was pretty incredible. And also just like, it happened so fast. Like we basically like paddled this ocean fjord, hiked all of our stuff up to Mount Asgard. And we're about a week in that, that kind of travel up the valley took about a week. And then we mm-hmm. had good weather immediately climb Mount Asgard. And, and it was totally spur <laughs> of the moment. Like planned on repeating a route on the South tower. And we, ha- but um, Jacob had studied, the mountain so much he like knew all of the existing routes um and we had printed topos of like all of the existing routes yeah i'd like printed <laughs> out people's lines like mostly from aaj articles uh, of like uh, and like laminated all these sheets of, of like of like all the lines up mount asgard and so we we actually intended nice. to repeat this route uh that john walsh and chris brazo put up in 2009 and we were literally like walking across the glacier towards yeah. the south tower of mount asgard with intention of climbing their route and then saw this like parallel crack. We were system. like, we should go that other way. And like at that moment, <laughs> yeah. changed, and suddenly we were doing a new route. Yeah, and we were following this like crack system, and it just kept. It was just like continuous, like five nine, five ten cracks and corners, all connected perfectly. And yeah. like, wow. and suddenly we were just like on the summit. We actually 
just finished like a new a new route on Mount Asgard. And and Mount Asgard and, is also some some like, of the some of the best rock like alpine rock <laughs> I've ever experienced. Like it's it's the the rock is just so good and it, it just lends itself. It's just like just featured enough that you can kind of connect like crack systems. You know, usually there's like the odd crimp here and there, and then and then there's just like these these like splitters. So it was, yeah, it's, it felt super like so we climbed, yeah we climbed like a hundred meter uh, splitter hand crack, which was just like. Up this headwall with just like blank wall on either side. It's quite quite special. Wow. Like a yeah. ten plus. Like, so so probably the the never laugh at live dragons route on the south tower of Mount Asgard was was the one that I will remember the most. And then what, so what, oh sorry go ahead. So what does the name mean? Oh so uh, we called it never laugh at live dragons. Um, I mean, do you want to say? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a quote from The Hobbit from Bilbo and The Hobbit, and it's mm. basically about when Bilbo like sneaks up to the to this like dr- dragon and steals uh, steals it's not really steals like gets back this sacred arkenstone and so we kind of felt like we were sneaking up Mount yeah, Asgard really and, quickly and so, so and, Tony Tony McLean Tony McLean wrote this and, like, wrote this summit. article where he described climb like adventure climbing like that as like as like sneaking sneaking up on a great beast and then getting away without it noticing us and like those were that without it noticing him and and the, those words like really kind of yeah they, they they do a really good job of describing the way that those kind of climbs feel like it, it's almost like the right. opposite of conquering the mountain like you're yes. not big you're not big and trying to overcome the mountain you're trying to make yourself as small as possible and have as little right. impact as possible and just like you know sneak up the mountain and then get away before it has a chance to notice you were there and- yeah that was that was Tony McLean's story about his solo on Mount Geeky. If exactly, anyone yeah. out there wants to go look that <laughs> up, it's on the AHA database. Geeky is, I believe, G-E-I-K-I-E, I yeah. think. And it's, uh, a, yeah. it's a really great piece of writing. because So Tony McLean is, is one of my, my main climbing partners. We've, we've climbed a lot together and we've done a lot of adventure climbing together. And he's just got this like... I mean, in life and in his writing, he's got this like spectacularly underrated style, like understated style. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. I mean, the the story is it, his his writing on that about that climb is like most of it's just so mundane. It's like, and then I sat on the ledge and made coffee, <laughs> and right, then right. then at the end, there's this one line where he's like, you know, I felt like I'd snuck up on this great beast and then snuck away without it noticing, and it's like right it like suddenly hammers home like oh wow this was like a big deal and like and and like crazy <laughs> yeah and, and like a crazy thing to go and do um yeah i want to talk about that idea a little bit because um after you guys got back from this trip jacob i originally was going to start working on this story with you and we sort of went back and forth the two of us before before eventually bronwyn decided to write it but you were telling me that you were really still digesting your experience. And I think part of it was that, like, if I remember correctly, all of the climbs felt quite serious to you guys. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you want to talk about that a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. I would love to. Um, and and I, I can't, this is one of, one of the reasons I, was, I really wanted to do this podcast and, and, and talk about this stuff, but it's kind of hard to know where to start. But so I've I've been kind of adventure climbing for for sort of like seven eight years now, and almost without me noticing, over the years the level of seriousness that I experience n- not not so much like how objectively dangerous the climbs are, but how much fear I feel in the moment seems to have gone up, and for whatever reason this Baffin Island trip kind of felt like it pushed, pushed over some kind of threshold for me where mm-hmm. I, it, I, it, it actually has changed my, my mental state post trip. And it's something that I'm mm-hmm. still figuring out. And, and I think it's a combination of, of a number of friends dying in the mountains over the past few years. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's so hard to explain what's happened, but it's like, I always knew that, that, that climbing was dangerous and that, that climbing these, these sort of routes has like an inherent sort of like objective hazard sort of thing. There's loose rock, you know, there's like the, the big glacier travel, uh, there's rock fall, you know, from freestyle or whatever. There's all these like 
kind of, and and just the fact that you're climbing for 24 hours and making all of these risk assessment decisions, they all start to add up, and and your your fatigue starts to have it. So I always knew that these types of climbing, this type of climbing, was dangerous. But something mm-hmm. changed where I. It's it's like rather than knowing academically that these climbs are dangerous, I started to feel what it would be like if something went wrong, and and like, and 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 rather than knowing that something could go wrong, I started to know, you know, how quickly this type of trip could change from like literally the dream, you know, flying over five ten ground on the side of Mount Asgard and glorious splitters to like in a fraction of a second, this kind of trip can go to to like the worst nightmare possible you know like Bronwyn yeah. lying lying mangled on the end of a rope and and yeah. and going on a trip like this with with my wife I mean Bronwyn and I have have um quite an unusual relationship in that we we work really well together both as romantic partners but also as climbing partners and so that's quite special and we've done all of this big wall climbing together and and we are able to to actually make a really good team and and like were I not married to Bronwyn I would still you know, consider Brahman a good climbing partner, you know, but like definitely going on, on this kind of trip with my wife and with two really good friends who were maybe less experienced, who, I, who were less experienced, who were less experienced, mm-hmm. felt like I had a degree of responsibility that maybe added to my fear, um, mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of been an interesting year. Like, like, coming to terms with with how that how that's changed me and 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 i mm-hmm. i was like honestly having a really hard time in, in november december january i was working really hard I, I i i teach math at the university here in squamish i have like another life as a mathematician um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um and and like for i couldn't figure out why i was just sucking at life like I, I, I was like like you're more stressed i was yeah. just like all, all my life i've just been like fairly optimistic fairly happy-go-lucky able to work really hard able to focus when i need to and and like you know like get up go to work come home train you know see my friends and it was just it all would just float by easily and then for whatever reason mm-hmm. in in november december january it just felt way harder <laughs> and and I, right. I just like small emotional hiccups that would have just been fine suddenly weren't fine and I would have to like retreat to my to my bedroom you know and and like wow. and and then a, a friend of mine was like oh you should look up the the symptoms of, of PTSD and so uh-huh. I, I I did and like you know I, I like look I like google PTSD and like and there's like a list of, of symptoms and I was like oh yeah that one that one, that one, that one. Oh crap! <laughs> and and right, so and right. so like I mean it, it's it's like textbook and and you know I I don't think it's it's that serious and I think PTSD is usually associated with with people that go to war or people that I mean I didn't even experience trauma like the expedition was wildly right. successful and nothing went wrong right. and so and so in a way it's like it, it it's not that bad but but it has changed the way that I experienced the world. And it's something that I'm still coming to terms with and, and kind of figuring out. Yeah. I think sometimes when things don't go wrong, that can even be a little more, it can create some cognitive dissonance, yeah. you know, on the one hand there, you can have the feeling of survivor syndrome where it's like, gosh, why did, why did my friend die? And I'm totally fine. And on the other side of it, it can also even be a little spooky, you know, Mm -hmm. like when things are scary and you're like in chassis terrain, uh, you're sort of, your awareness is elevated. So it's like, you're kind of, you don't feel like you're going to get snuck up on, but I think what you're like this, this whole idea of the dragon, the mountain being this dragon and don't laugh at it, you know, I think is because when things go right, it's so easy to forget how serious the situation is. Mm-hmm. And that I think can be often be the most dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and it seems to be really uh, personal because I mean, Bronwyn and I and Zach and Thor had, had similar experiences on the trip. And for whatever reason, Zach and Bronwyn were able to and and other people that I know have been able to to remain light and remain like uh, kind of like above it and and I, I think for you it really was like kind of like 
yay, mountains, you know, like, and I don't think you had the same, like, seems like oblivious, the same, like, traumatic experience that I did. I, yeah, don't, I no. mean, I don't think you're oblivious. Obviously, no, you know no, that yeah. it's dangerous. But yeah, yeah can you speak about your experience? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feeling like, so we've spent a lot of time climbing, like, big walls in Yosemite and like these sort of more um, established climbs in like, less remote places. Um, and definitely climbing on Baffin Island felt like that was the most the furthest we'd pushed it like together um and just like me step like that the stuff we were doing on Baffin Island was the most dangerous like objectively that I have done in my climbing essentially like there was it was more remote it was bigger stuff it was unknown stuff um and and like in this super like untraveled alpine environment um right and so I definitely felt like an element of like like awareness of that and like fear from that. Um, but I don't think, I think that that was my expectations going into it. And it, and it, that is what it was. And we were wildly successful and wildly, I mean, also lucky. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like, um, I don't feel particularly affected emotionally afterwards. Mm-hmm. I'm like very excited by, it. yeah. Just like th- the trip was amazing, and yeah. um, and so and so like yeah. yeah Zach, I, I Zach know. and Bronwyn. I, I mean, may, maybe it's hard for you to talk about an experience that you didn't have. <laughs> but yeah. Zach and Bronwyn seemed to to just like they were aware of the risks, but were able to kind of float above it. And then me and Thor, yeah. it, it felt like over the course of the trip, things like became heavier. And interesting. But it's still making me think of thoughts and uh, about like where, like how far I do want to push it. If I'm saying that's sort of the furthest that I've pushed it, like, do I want to remain at that line? Do I want to pull back a little bit? Do I want to push further? And and, like having those sorts of like personal goal assessment kind of thoughts is definitely um, something I've been thinking about a lot this year. And and Jacob as well. We've been talking about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So were any of the climbs that you guys did just, did did any of that sort of mounting fear or, or like uh, anxiety, Jacob, did any of that like just sort of float away on some of these other climbs? Were there any just stand stand out like super fun? Like this was the best. Yeah. Day? So, so, so it's kind of what the, the strangest thing about it is I, is it I have post trip. Well, but I have this kind of like, like, cognitive dissonance almost where like on the one hand i think leading up to the trip and during the trip i was feeling like it was it was like right on the threshold of kind of like my fear level for whatever reason but then on the other hand it it was it was almost like i i mean i it's not like i didn't have a choice like i obviously could have not gone on the trip but it, it was like the only thing i could possibly have been doing you know like i dreamed about about doing these climbs and it's like it it's like it's something that I really, really wanted to do. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know that. I mean, a large part of my brain was, was just like raging, raging. Yeah. Having (laughs) a great time on the side of, on the sides of, on the side of the mountains Mm -hmm. and not, and, and not really engaging with, with the, the other, other half. Yeah. Um, We did. So once, so we kind of had this, and wild start to the trip where we went in we actually climbed um both teams climbed mount asgard and then both teams uh, uh and then we came down the weather was still good and we set off again and jacob and i climbed the other tower of mount asgard and thor and zach put up a new route on the mountain next door we just sort of bang bang like that was all so it was like it was like wild ten, right at the start 10 days after getting to baffin after like arriving on baffin island we climbed both towers of mount asgard um, um, which was like unprecedented in terms of like wow. yeah which was basically what we were expecting to accomplish the entire six weeks yeah. and, and it was just like 10 days in and, and we've like already accomplished sort of both objectives of like a, a new route and and an established route on both towers of of the mountain um but i think that was quite also just like exhausting and strenuous and mentally exhausting and and after that we kind of went down to the river had a bit of a break like and the, the paddling portion was actually a nice, a nice like change of pace. Kind yeah, of thing. started like paddling some of the white water, um, 
And there was sort of this like middle section mm-hmm. of the trip that was a lot more sort of fun jokes and paddling and and journey and adventure kind of in the valley. Uh, and then and then also and, you asked you asked at the beginning about what was the most meaningful climb. And and mm-hmm. and in a way like so then uh, after that paddling portion we stopped off under mm-hmm. Mount Thor and we actually climbed Mount Thor as a team of four up up the south ridge and and it's like that climb is like five seven mm-hmm. five eight yeah I don't know but it, it was we we were simul climbing up this ridge and it was like extremely easy. Uh-huh compared to the other routes we climbed, but doing it as a team of four um, and, and all standing on top of Mount Thor at sunset was kind of like, in a way, maybe that was the most special climb of the trip, you know? And and, and like... With- but saying that, like, that vibe kind of carried through of just, like, goofing around on the river, like, around at the campsite, and then we all four of us, like, kind of climbed all together up this, like, epic long ridgeline, um, and then... And nice. yeah, everyone was like laughing and having a great time, and just like this huge like Thor got to stand on top of Thor, um, <laughs> and this whole like middle section of the trip that that evolved around the sort of river end and Mount Thor that was just like a lot lighter, less it felt like less committing, less dangerous, less extreme, and and just like this like fun objective that was that was also like important to the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time you guys got down towards Ulu Peak. How many days had you been out? And how many climbs had you guys done, like, cumulatively as a group? Uh, we had, I mean, so Bronwyn and I did the South Tower of Mount Asgard and the North Tower of Mount Asgard. We we repeated the Scott route uh, with a little variation at the top. And then Thor and Zach had climbed the North Tower of Mount Asgard. And they, they climbed an unclimbed peak to the left of it, which they called Mount Zaki. Because there was already a Mount Thor, so they had to find Mount Zaki. So they climbed, <laughs> they climbed an unclimbed summit and, and called that one Mount Zaki. Um, and then, and then, as a team of four, we'd all climbed Mount Thor. Um, and then we tried another climb on the west face of Mount Taroko, which we ended up bailing from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we climbed kind of kind of like five big, well, three big climbs each, plus the uh-huh. one which we bailed from. Um, and it was like thirty days into the trip. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and, and the Mount Ulu is right at the mouth of the Weasel River. So we'd, we'd kind of like, we ran the pack rafts out, we'd finished the whitewater, we were just like floating out to the ocean. And then we had like a few days to spare before we really needed to do the ocean paddle to get back to the Inuit community. Yeah. Um, and but then for, for whatever reason, uh, like the it felt like the, I don't know, it just seemed like the right time again. And, and it's something like, you know, even though I, I, I experienced a lot of fear and, and, when when the time is right and the the objective is right and the partner's right and the conditions are right and my mental state is right it's like beautiful you know and like i don't i don't even i don't yeah. quest mm-hmm. like it's not a question should i be doing this even for a second it's just like well of course i should be doing this this is like right. this is like and the you best want to be doing i it. want to be doing it this is like the best thing that that i could possibly be doing and so it, you know that's how it felt on Mount Asgard and 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 on Mount Thor and and then again on on this last climb like it it was like you, you know th- this is what I live for th- right. these types of things and so and so we, it was like right at the end of the trip and we we hiked up to to look at the north face of Mount Ulu mm-hmm. and we were kind of looking at the north face and and it like looked all it was like dark, dark and, and chossy and, and like and quite like... quite wet and it's like that kind of exfoliating rock yeah. like you know like on half dome it's it's like, yeah like flakes kind of yeah and, and so we were like Ugh. and then and then there was this west facing tower kind of in the same cirque uh, like on the glacier there that 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 was just like glowing in the afternoon light and we were like look at those splitters over there <laughs> actually so we didn't even all, know about this we, climb, no like, no we had no no knowledge of the tower we, and we, in fact all of our new routes on the trip were like entirely spur of the moment we hiked mm. up to climb something else and then we were like we should go that way <laughs> yeah so we we're like looking at this like the north face of ulu just kind of like shuddering and then across the little glacier there like on the next mountain over um there was just yeah this like tower that was glowing in the light and mm. and also just like the top half of the tower we could just see these this splitter running up the headwall yeah um, the, the splitter is quite striking from the photos yeah. <laughs> very striking yeah, yeah, yeah. and i mean uh, at this point we're on the ground we have we have like a camera we're trying to zoom in but it's hard to tell like right, we have no idea right. what what like yeah. width, what width thought, this splitter is going to we be we thought but it might be like an off width. we're guessing like, like off width or maybe like fist crack or like something and, wide and enough to usually, see usually usually when you can see a crack from that far away yeah it's like bigger wide, than wider than you think like yeah. i had this 
it, when I went to Greenland in 2013, we were like, look at that sweet hand crack. And then we spent like two days trying to climb to this sweet hand crack that turned out to be like a chimney slot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, and so usually it's the other way around, but right. this crack had this had this black streak running down next to it. Mm. So actually what we were seeing from the ground was not the crack, but the black streak. Interesting. And then when we got there, it turned out to be like this like tips, you know, like beak seam with like this, our like smallest cams. Like I was placing like double zeros and triple zeros in the, in the crux there. So like we said, like we set off from the, from the ground, we had, we had the, the new like grade seven pods, those infl- inflatable port ledges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we set off with the intention of spending one night on this tower. Um, and so we spent the whole first day like navigating this sort of a few different kind of systems to, to get up to where the splitter started. And it wasn't until we set up our camp like underneath the splitter that we that we actually got the chance to like see what the splitter was going to be. <laughs> and we were like, oh, it was like, oh no, oh dear. <laughs> like it was so thin. We we're like not even sure if we were, we like thought we might end up having to resort to aid climbing. It yeah, or just, or just, just bail. Like, like we we had like, <laughs> like we had like three beaks or something. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it like, turned out to just like close up and then just open out again, and there was like you know like the perfect number of holds kind of thing, and uh-huh. and. uh yeah, and so we, we were. Yeah, that was that was super cool to to find that. So we spent the night underneath the splitter, and then the next day we basically yeah. had that day to like red point these pitches. It was like three three like long splitter pitches, and then and then a bit more. Mm-hmm. That's to, to the summit of that. of this like rostrum style tower. Right, kind of it's like separated from the right. wall behind. It was a super cool summit. And um, that's where your story actually starts for the AJ Bronwyn is kind of yeah. sitting underneath those splitters and watching Jacob kind of rack up. You want to, um, I thought that, that you did a really great job describing that. Do you want to just talk through like what it was yeah, totally. like watching him try and unlock the sequence on this, this tower? <laughs> yeah. So up until that point on the trip, we'd basically been climbing sort of these huge 510 maybe 511 um routes and then we get to this this point we had just come from bailing off this mountain the time before um because of loose rock Mm. and so we were all like we were feeling kind of nervous about that sort of thing and um and this this climb was just like there was no loose there was nothing yeah it was like like it was just a perfect head wall and this like one splitter crack that was that was just like running up this like seam running up the center of it um and so we just like it felt like yeah we were in yosemite or or something just like no longer thinking really about all the crazy like alpine hazards that we were so focused on earlier in the trip and it was just like the pure physical like technical challenge of trying to to send this wild splitter um and so Pitch three of the splitter of, of how we broke it up um, was like the crux. It narrowed down to to the thinnest uh, moment, and Jacob sets off of that and falls off. Um, mm. and then he pulls on, tries again, um, and then it's like he, he turns around and asks me, "He's like, did we bring a brush? Like, <laughs> like, um, like I didn't even really think of that. Like I have one attached to my chalk bag. <laughs> I was like." oh, I do have a brush. And like he tagged it up and started like brushing the inside of the crack a little bit and putting little tick marks of where the holes were. And now and now we've gone from, yeah, just like this fast sort of in a push alpine um, climbing to like stalled out, like red pointing this like wild pitch in the middle of this head wall. Uh-huh. And like there's no, you know, we have we have like the food and water for like the rest of that day. And we had to get all the way like, back to our camp by the sea which was yeah. quite a high like <laughs> like a, mm-hmm. it was like we didn't have for long at all and so basically jacob pulls on for a third time uh and and like just barely like managed to, to send this pitch before um, he pulled on for that third time didn't he like turn around and look at you and say like i give it like 20 percent chance or something yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i said that in the article yeah it was totally like it was just it's kind of i don't know i've done so much climbing with jacob it's kind of like this classic jacob moment that like if if he thinks that it's like something that's really hard, but it's just possible, like he might might send something, right. but he's like doesn't really have any pressure on himself to send because he thinks it's like a fluke chance that like he might be able to pull it out of the bag. 
And so he just like sets, I think that like relaxes him because it's those mm. times that he like performs the performs the the best or like kind of the unex- and unexpected. Yeah, um, and, and in a way that mindset, like I think people always talk about having a positive attitude, you know, to when like red pointing or whatever. But but for me, like having a positive attitude is like not the way. I perform by far the best when I'm like, <laughs> I have no hope. No, but there's a little hope. Uh, yeah, but I'm like, I, I'm not going to send this, but I'm going to try my hardest anyway. Yeah. And that that's the best mindset for me. It's just like that kind of fight to the death mentality. And like, and like to be doing that and, and hit that kind of flow state, yeah. like of just like just moving, you know, between these like tip locks. Yeah, it's just on, like holding my breath. I was so nervous. Yeah, <laughs> like to be doing that, like in Baffin Island on a new route was just like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, that's that's what I've been training. I didn't know it. But like that's what all of the climbing has been like leading up to, you know, it did like, kind of up be to like that the, point. The like yeah. epitome of like all of like your climbing all led to this like yeah. just capable. I've been doing of, like, all of this off. adventure climbing and then also all of this like sport climbing and like single pitch trad climbing and like the whole like just like the whole pe- the whole puzzle like led to like finding this crack. So that that was cool. So, so cool. it was like a special moment. Yeah. But, yeah. And then the way the pitch, it lends itself, it's kind of like the first half of the pitch, about 15 meters of this tiny, tiny stuff. And then it just like turns to finger locks, then to ring locks, then to thin hands. And, and it just like yes. winds up in this glory hand crack. And so he's, we know he's done it. He's just like going up his hand crack, like going on <laughs> until, um, yeah, it was just like, that was, that was definitely like really cool. And, I think and also- <laughs> Jacob doesn't like talking about himself being awesome. So I can tell, I can tell everyone. About <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. He's um, like, <laughs> but also the the other thing about that climb that oh, was really yeah. really cool yeah, yeah, yeah. is you know what i'm gonna say yeah. <laughs> is, is that it was kind of like the like the 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 test moment for me of the grade seven pods which are these inflatable portal ledges that that our friends mm. in squamish are designing mm-hmm. and um they it, it, they have the, they had the possibility to kind of like enable this new hybrid style because with big with big wall climbing there's kind of like this thing where either you climb in a day and you're mm-hmm. super light, but then you're committed to like getting to the top in one day, or you take all of your food and water and your portal edge and things are really, really heavy and you take four days, yeah. you know? So there's like, or, or three days is like kind of the fastest. And, and so there's kind of like this gap where like no one really climbs El Cap in two days. Like, you know, people do, but it's like not common mm-hmm. because everything's so heavy that if you're going to spend a night, you almost forced to spend several nights, you know? Right. Right. But like with the grade seven pods, they kind of enable this hybrid style where we were able to pack light enough that the first half of the tower, we were actually simul climbing with, with backpacks on our back Mm -hmm. on like the slabby stuff at the bottom Mm -hmm. with the pods in the bags. And then we, we switched style to, to like when it got steeper to like hauling the bags. And then we were able to spend this one night, uh, and it was like a complete hanging like there was a little spot for for like yeah. one person to sort of stand mm-hmm. like barely and, and so, so in a way that th- these pods enabled us to 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 do the climb in this style that that like this kind of like hybrid alpine big wall style that, right. that would wouldn't have been possible and so like actually i don't think we we would have sent that climb it, with the time that we had and in the style that we did w- without them. So that, that was a cool like test for, for yeah. me. Like it was like, okay, these things actually do enable an, a, a different style of climbing. And so, so that, yeah, that was cool. Super cool. So um, there is one last kind of thing I wanted to chat about. Um, it, we went back and forth, Bron, you and I about what to do with uh, the end of the article because mm-hmm. you you put in a like a sentence or two at the very end about uh the four of you taking out some kids top roping um why did you want to tell that part of the story what what about that kind of was meaningful to you um so this was something uh, i'll just like say say what we did and then kind of a, a why afterwards so at the end of the at the end of the trip, we had we like planned a, a handful of days in the Inuit community of Pangnertung, um, uh, and our plan was and we did we took uh, a bunch of the kids the like local Inuit youth uh, top roping, rock climbing, and rappelling and um, on these cliffs above the town, um, and that was something actually Thor was the the main person on our trip like kind of heading up that hmm. that sort of objective mm-hmm. of 
and that, uh, that, that popcorn, was one of the main objectives it was like, of that trip yeah, from, exactly. from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, so it was just like, it's a community that we definitely felt like we didn't want to just uh, drop in, rush through, and and carry on with our own little, like, personal, selfish, like, yeah, goals or we, whatever. We, we, um, we wanted to interact with the community. We, we were going going into this community, and we wanted to just, like, interact with it in a way that was, like, more meaningful than just, like... Hiring the guy to snowmobile our stuff. Exactly, just, it. like, logistics, you know? Like, we, we wanted to, like, do something. Uh-huh. When we mm-hmm. came back from the trip, uh, we made these posters. Uh, it, it was labeled Climbing with the Kalanat. And Kalanat is like the kind of Inuit term for like a kind of like white person, but it's a little kind of like derogatory, it's, it's, like similar to gringo. It's kind, kind of, of like gringo. Yeah. Um, yeah gotcha. <laughs> uh, but it was like us referring to ourselves. So it's kind of just like funny. And and, uh, mm. uh, and so we put up these signs, Climbing with the Kalanat, and we put them up all around town. Um, and then, yeah, the next day we had 20, 20 kids. Uh, kind of ages, I'm probably that, that guy must have been about five or four, yeah, four or five to, <laughs> about, to about twelve. Yeah, well, maybe, oh yeah. no, the one yeah, 14, to fourteen. Maybe. Yeah, um, and they all like we met at the local grocery store and then all walked up this valley to to some cliffs and spent the day um, climbing and top roping and and yeah, it was definitely like and they, and they were psyched. So if any <laughs> if anyone else is is planning an expedition, oh, yeah, this is good to to that area like get the kids out again like we left we left top rope anchors and we can send you topos of, of the top ropes uh out nice. just outside of town on, yeah, on we these put boulders. Two, new, two routes there's like a five two five sevens one we called a nook and one calumet yeah and um, uh, and, and uh, yeah so so like the kids are psyched like get them out again it was super cool and and a good thing to do thanks very much to bronwood hodgins jacob cook and Chris Kalman for doing this interview. There's a film about this expedition in the works, a film by Heather Mosier, and I think you should be able to see it before long. Because of uh, COVID's impacts on expedition climbing, we've been featuring some climbs from last year in the last couple of episodes of The Cutting Edge, but I'm happy to say that some uh, really interesting climbs have been done this summer, and uh, the next couple of episodes will be focused on very recent climbs, that uh, I'm sure you'll be very psyched to hear more about. Thanks very much to Hilleberg the Tentmaker for making The Cutting Edge possible. You can find lots and lots of information about Hilleberg's great tents at hilleberg.com. Until next time, this is Dougal McDonald, editor of the AAJ, wishing you happy climbs. <laughs>